and welcome to Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus pandemic in mid-Missouri. You can catch Community Pulse Mondays and Wednesdays at 9am on KOPN and all episodes can be found online at kopn.org and on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. Well, today on the show, we welcome Dr. Elizabeth Alleman and guest Dr. Eric Martin, an emergency room physician who will share his experience working on the front lines during this pandemic in New York, Missouri, Oklahoma, and across the southwestern United States for the Indian Health Service. Good morning, Dr. Alleman. Good morning. How are you this morning? Oh, very fine. Yes. So um, I did have the, recorded an interview with Dr. Martin over the weekend, um, and his perspective, I know that our listeners have heard him before. We haven't talked to him since uh, last fall. He's been um, very busy uh, providing emergency room and urgent care um Care, um, but uh, he's we've been very generous with his time and uh, was willing to give us a perspective about how things are for frontline workers. Um, one of the things, as we, as I look at the news reports, it turns out that we are seeing um, some increasing cases down in uh, uh, Southwest Missouri. That the Cox and then Springfield have announced that they are ready to reopen their COVID wards because they are seeing an increase in hospitalization, which is concerning. <clears throat> uh, Boone County numbers continue to be um, uh, stable at around 10 to 20 ca new cases a day uh, with uh, hospitals working in a normal capacity <clears throat> and no need to, um, they're just in their green, typical, usual um, functioning. The Missouri sewer shed surveillance data is showing that across the state, most jurisdictions are seeing either stable or decreasing numbers with three or four exceptions. Um, there's a lot of variability in the um, detection of uh, viral RNA in the sewer treatment facilities in Macon. It seems to be jumping up and down, which doesn't I don't know what to make of that, but it seems to be other other jurisdictions seem to be fairly stable or declining. Across the country, we are seeing um, uh, Michigan continues to have a high rate of incident and transmission um, and low rates of vaccine uptake. And there seem to be um, various scattered hotspots in Oregon and Montana northern New Hampshire, southwestern Texas, um, and uh, some increased in Minnesota. So we're, or some, uh, I shouldn't say increased. I don't even know exactly what the trends are, but they seem to have a little higher than background incidence of the uh, infection right now. Um, so uh, I, I, don't, I don't quite understand what is, going on and why these um, areas seem to be having um, more uh, viral transmission. But I think what it's telling me is that while we may be um, in the home stretch of this uh, viral pandemic, we're not done. So we have not reached the finish line yet. 
And then, of course, the um, uh, the information that we're getting from uh, Brazil and India are, of course, very concerning and very sobering. <clears throat> These are the stresses and the collapses of the hospital system that I had been very concerned might happen in the United States has not happened yet. We seem to have avoided it so far. Vaccines in the United States continue to get rolled out. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine has been, the halt on that, the pause on that has been lifted. Most states have resumed using that vaccination, and there has not been an age restriction placed on that. So the vaccine is available to everybody over the age of 18. Um, the Pfizer vaccine is available to people 16 to 18, but the Johnson & Johnson just to 18 years and older we had uh, thought there might be a restriction on uh, women in certain age groups, but that has not been the case. <clears throat> uh, but with a, the recommendation is that there be a warning that everybody understand there was a possibility that these rare blood clots in the presence of low platelet count can happen in unusual places in the body, and that those are serious, and there have been a few uh, deaths from that. So that's sort of where we are, and then I'd love for us to hear Dr. Martin, and then I will be around for some closing comments when we're done with that. Eric Martin, uh, welcome back to Pulse. Thanks for taking the time to give us an update about what you're observing um, in the COVID pandemic. It's good to be here, Elizabeth. Thank you. Remind our listeners, if you would, you've been our guest before, but if you'd remind us um, what kind of work you do and where you do it. Sure. Um, my name's Eric Martin. I'm an emergency physician in Joplin, Missouri. I practice in the ER setting in southwestern Missouri, mostly rural hospitals. I currently work at uh, Mercy Carthage. Cox and Lynette before, uh, from some RC Lebanon before. Uh, currently, I, I also work part-time at a rural Oklahoma, in McAllister, Oklahoma, and I also travel a bit out to Arizona, where I work some in the Indian Health Service hospital. Um, I uh, went to New York City about this time last year. In fact, it was this time last year. I was in New York. Um, I responded to to the call for extra help. Uh, I worked at a COVID field hospital in uh, in New York City, and I also worked at uh, one of the New York City public hospitals, Coney Island Hospital. So I was, I was there for to help during their surge, and then I came back home uh, to Missouri, and then. Uh, working here and seeing things on the front lines ever since. I think, um, I think that's when I first spoke with you was once last summer when I came back to Missouri and spoken again later in the fall. Right. Um, it's been really helpful to hear your perspectives that best I can tell were pretty much matching the statistics that we were seeing. Um, I think that some people have um, questioned whether we were overcounting or undercounting cases. And it was, it's been really helpful to get your um, 
touch point about what you were seeing in the emergency room and and is it still true that you're what you're seeing as you do your work is reflecting the fairly closely the case reports that we're seeing um, from various sources yeah i um definitely our our peak i think locally or in missouri was, was around november december um kind of uh, a little bit before the christmas holidays but um saw a big a big increase in, in people presenting to the er with covid-like symptoms People had to be hospitalized. People had to be transferred, um, and that has improved um, over the past few months. Uh, after the new year, it, it kind of gradually started to improve. Vaccination has helped all along, and now um, it's much better than it was. I, I don't see very many people at all COVID now. Although it's not zero, I still I still do see patients uh, with it and uh, occasionally have uh, hospitalized patients with COVID, uh, but it's it's much uh, much more manageable now strain on the local healthcare system um, we've kind of reached our our worst point around uh, december january uh, february and that that's got a lot so, Dr. Martin, are you noticing that um, access to vaccination is helping with staffing? I know one of the challenges in the middle of the winter was that um, people who worked in healthcare were also getting sick. Yes, for sure, and I think I think that that's been borne out. I saw some statistics that from one of the larger health, one of the larger hospital groups in Missouri that um, absenteeism due to COVID have declined considerably after vaccination. So um, I, I've had a, a handful of uh, people that I work with, uh, nurses, for example, who got COVID uh, not that long ago, but they had, had, had not vaccinated. Everyone I'm seeing now who gets it is, is unvaccinated. Right. And um, are so it, it sounds like the hospitals are the system is working under less strain. You're able to admit people locally rather than having to spend hours at a time trying to find a bed for them in other places. Definitely, it's it's kind of going back to normal routine. Uh, I mean, we never totally stopped seeing just normal things that you see. Right. Chronic health problems they have strokes and heart attacks and traumatic injuries and COPD exacerbations, things like that. Those things always uh, uh, happen, but it, it did feel like there for a while that a big percentage of what we were taking care of was COVID. So that, that has gotten better. It feels more like a, just a normal day in the ER again. Um, but still, we still see some cases even now, but yes, it's, it's easier to admit to people and transfer people. Um, there's still a little bit of a, this is I think kind of nationwide, there's still a bit of a nursing shortage at times, especially in the hospital-based uh, setting. Uh, I think that's just a, 
kind of a nationwide there was a huge demand in, in nursing. There was that, a both. nursing, yeah, there was a nursing shortage before the pandemic started, if I understand that correctly. Yeah, I think so. And, um, and it was uh, a lot of hospitals rely to some extent on agency nurses, traveler, part-time nurses. And during the pandemic, many of those went away. They, they went to various hotspots that were often paid well to do that. So definitely, uh, uh, I definitely felt that a lot of our, our difficulties with uh, trying to place patients was, was not so much a lack of physical beds, but just lack of staff to care for all the patients. And what are you seeing um, as far as people quitting, retiring early, I guess getting too sick or dying and unable to continue to work? Are, is that impacting the staffing levels at the places where you work? Um, a, a little bit. I, I, from the physician side, um, I, I've worked part-time some in urgent care and job. I did have colleagues who decided to, to uh, step away for a while. And I don't think it was so much the fear of getting sick as it was just really overwhelmed. With the, we had a huge surge in just the number of patients we were seeing. It was uh, probably more the reason. I've known a couple of doctors, um, semi-retired, late in their career, who uh, kind of opted out of working as much. As for most of us who are still kind of in the middle of our career, full-time clinicians, I think most of us in there and done what we could, but uh, no, I, I, so yes, I've, I've had a handful of colleagues that it has and I, and I also had uh, um, colleagues for sure who got COVID, uh, some who were hospitalized, some who were hospitalized, you know, for a while, it was a long recovery, so I have seen that too. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what kinds of differences are you seeing between Indian Health Service and uh, the emergency rooms in southwestern Missouri? Um, so here in Arizona, um, actually here now working, um, uh, the, the kind of the peak that I saw working, and I worked at a uh, Hopi reservation about two hours away um, uh, from Flagstaff. Majority of the patients are either Hopi or from the surrounding Navajo nation. Um, the peak here seemed to be right after Christmas, January. It's a, a big surge. Um, and I felt like we dealt with it pretty well. We, um, there was a good public health response. People complied with, with uh, masking and public health initiatives pretty well. Um, vaccination efforts uh, have, have, have been quite successful here, really, really pushed cases down quite low. And I don't know the exact statistics, but um, I, I, 
a, a majority of adults population care area now um, it's not a hundred percent for sure and there are still some cases but those are mostly people chosen not to be vaccinated um, but I think overall the vaccination rate is higher here And do you think that the vaccination rate is higher there because there's more enthusiasm and less reluctance or because there's more availability or a combination? Uh, probably a combination, or at least at first, the availability may have played a role, but now I think at home it's available to pretty much anybody that wants to get it, adults, anyhow. Um, I think um, people here, uh, it's a smaller community. Everybody knew somebody that got sick or a family member. And it, um, there was never, I never felt like there was as much of a reluctance uh, to, to comply out of any other kind of political reason. Uh, people here just seemed to accept that. Um, saw the consequences of people getting sick, people being hospitalized and some people dying and and uh, responded. And so vaccination is just, just seems to be, uh, it's, it's been accepted and it's working. I, I hope you continue to, to emphasize that at home and I hope people will, uh, will choose to get vaccinated. It's, it's, it's working. It, it is indeed. Um, I am wondering whether, are you um, exposed mainly to the indigenous people that are there, or are you also commenting on the um, folks who are um, not indigenous and their response to the uh, well, yeah, I public health measures? Okay. So for the and population we serve here, uh, vaccination is successful, and, and, uh, uh, and the elderly were vaccinated quite early and expanded more broadly. Most of the people that I see just as patients day to day have been vaccinated. Okay. And how about in southern Missouri? What are you still seeing people who were, I guess, all the people you're seeing with COVID, you're saying were not vaccinated? And are you um, hearing from them their reasons for not getting vaccinated? Um, I haven't really asked too directly. Mm -hmm. you know, are you vaccinated? I ask most. I ask a lot of patients that anyway, just as part of a normal workup in the ER, or call for a fever or shortness of breath or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Find myself asking, "Well, have you had COVID vaccine?" Uh, uh, so I can't really speak firsthand for why people choose not to get it, but I, I know there's a reluctance there for various reasons. Uh, hopefully, with time and seeing that it works, it's safe, um, we can you know, 
people will accept that. This isn't going away. It's, it's the global pandemic in terms of a, the global scope of it right now. More people with it right now see in the news places like India, still in South America, they're still having uh, bad outbreaks, even within the U.S. We have places like Michigan. Right. You know, what, are you... So, what I've kind of heard from frontline people there is that the people that are getting sick there are, are not vaccinated. So and you're 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 talking about in Michigan is that what you're you're yes, talking about Michigan. there yes mm -hmm. right. yeah um and so what do you think about what's happening in Michigan and the the possibility or likelihood that that is going to happen in Missouri um I think we will see another I don't think we'll see anything as dramatic as we did over the winter because there are a lot of people that have either had it or they've been vaccinated. And I think uh, mm. at least the patients that I see on a daily basis, most elderly people seem to have gotten vaccine, people with health problems, so they, they're protected now. Uh, you know, a lot of that high mortality early on, nursing home uh, patients and people with comorbidities who got it, um, they didn't do very well. And now that population as a group has uh, protected. So we're, we're not seeing uh, as many older folks or people with a lot of health problems getting in that. It's going to shift to a somewhat younger uh, age group. Um, but there's still people that have a lot of risk factors that, that have either haven't got it. I mean, there, there's still a pool of, of, of hosts, if you will, out there who uh, who can get it, and I think we will see an uptick in cases again. I don't think it would be as as it was before, but I would anticipate we would, we would see, see more cases again, perhaps this summer. Yeah, the way I've been thinking about it is that it would uh, be a little bit less likely to have the huge impact on the healthcare system if we have most of our most of the population who are at highest risk for needing hospitalization vaccinated right i i think so although it seems like in michigan their health system is strained and trying to yes. keep up so uh what i had i don't know their trends in the past i think they did have prior waves what percentage of the population got it? I don't know, but I, so I would hope it's not that bad. But um, I think um, I think we'll see more cases for sure. Um, as we're coming to the end of the time uh, to talk, I'm wondering if you have any final thoughts that you want to leave the listeners with. Well, um, I think. You can do something to protect yourself. Get vaccinated. Turn on the Pfizer. Uh, have excellent safety uh, ratings. Um, you know, there's something as a as a doctor that we when we practice, we kind of ask ourselves, what what would I do if this was my mother? What would I do if it was mm -hmm. my my kids, right? My, 
everyone in my family who's had the opportunity vaccinated. I supported that. I got it myself. My wife's had it. My parents have had it. You know, my children, when it's approved, I will, I will get them vaccinated. And so mm-hmm. uh, I would do that for my family. I would encourage anybody else to do um, So, I mean, I think there's that. Uh, but I think, though, the uh, hopefully this, you know, we, we have some recovery that we are seeing line cases and, and more availability of vaccine. Maybe some of the fear of it can pass to some extent as people do have a way to protect themselves. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to me if we can begin to resume some of the activities that we value so much because we have enough people vaccinated and our case numbers are low enough in the community that. Um, and, and it's not just about governments or central planners allowing things to happen. We just need to re-cultivate the confidence of the public so that things like festivals and such can resume. Sure. Right. Festivals and sporting events and things like that. Traveling, I mean, still, uh, you can travel within the U.S. pretty easily, but international travel is still quite difficult. There are plenty of places that we can't go right now. And, uh, so I think the recovery is still not there yet, but it's, it's better than it was. And um, I think um, um, in the long term, I'm hopeful that, you know, that we will, we're on the road to recovery. So, back well, Dr. To- Eric. Dr. Eric Martin, thank you so much for um, taking some time to um, share your perspectives. And um, thank you again for um, your service to the to the country and to our medical um, institutions. And um, I hope that you'll uh, keep us posted as time goes on. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay, Dr. Alleman, that was a very interesting interview we had with Dr. Eric Martin, and he really gave us insight into his own perspective about the coronavirus. Um, I don't know, Dr. Alleman, if you have any other issue you want to talk about. We still have about three minutes more before we end Community Pulse. Any other thoughts or comments? Yeah, I think that what I want to talk about is... um just encouraging people to um, think uh, with an open mind about getting vaccinated. Um, I know there are lots of people who have concerns about the way this vaccine was brought out, um, about with about potential side effects, um, about reluctance to being forced to do something. And I'm going to just be reminding that at this point, um, what we're being is invited to get the vaccine. The vaccine is currently free. Um, the vaccinators can bill your insurance if you have insurance. So people will often ask for your insurance information. But if you do not have insurance, all you have to do is say that you do not have insurance. And then you get the vaccine. So the vaccine is free. And it is available to everybody over the age of 16 in, across the United States. 
regardless of whether you are a citizen, whether you, you, you know, if you're, if you live in Illinois, but you happen to be in Missouri, you can get a vaccine here. So there aren't any um, tests of citizenship or residency. You don't have to be a member of any high risk group. So it's available to everybody who doesn't have a medical contraindication. The medical contraindications are really rare. Um, and uh, it is a, it's not a perfect thing, you know, that every medical, um, every medicine, every medical intervention has a risk. Um, every medical intervention that we've ever done has um, caused harm. Um, and uh, people are concerned about what, what's in it, but, you know, we don't always know what's in the things that we spray in our homes or that we eat. Um, and there isn't a perfect way through this pandemic. Um, uh, the vaccine seems to be very, very clearly safer than getting COVID, COVID infection. So all of these unusual kinds of blood clots that we've associated with the Johnson & Johnson and the AstraZeneca vaccine are much more common if you get COVID than they are if you get the vaccine. And um, that this is an important way for us to begin to resume the lives that we have been missing for the last year. And maybe we're not going to do it the same way in the future. That's perfectly fine. But I think that we are missing out on the interactions that we've had with people and our culturally important gatherings. And that um, vaccination is the only way I know of to bring the case numbers down so that everybody has confidence that um, uh, participating in our community again thank is you. a safe thing to do. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Alleman. I'm afraid we've run out of time. And Bye. that's it for today's edition of Community Polls. We'll be posting thank this you. particular show at kopn.org and also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to Community Polls. Up next is Between the Lines. Stay tuned. <laughs>